1: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host from Tucson, PK. How are you tonight?
0: Absolutely fabulous. It's been a gorgeous day. And I took a walk in the backyard, and there's grapefruit on the trees, and there's oranges on the trees. They're just getting on their way.
2: Oh,
1: that's wonderful. Yeah. Do you get to harvest good. your oranges? Yeah. Do you use them for orange juice?
0: Oh, yes, definitely. And the grapefruit or pink grapefruit.
1: I'm a oh, so I wonderful. Like <laughs> oh, my gosh. That well, that's so good. exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, yes, that's great. Everything else is can and everything has these thorns on them. But that's my favorite part. <laughs> that but is fantastic. here right now. Absolutely gorgeous.
1: Oh, well, that's good. A look at
0: some things today. Go
1: ahead, yeah, please tell us. You know, we've all been waiting to get this election resolved, and it's dragging out. And Carrie Lake in your state, we're waiting to see if she's going to win, and it's still up in the air. They say, but Maricopa County's still a big mess. So, fingers crossed. It always get it is. worked out. Yeah. Gee, I not pray good, they
0: do. Huh? I- no, it doesn't feel good because everyone I talk to says they're voting for Gary Lake and on and on and on it goes. And they keep hearing, not yet, but not yet. I go, good God, make it easy on us. Enough cliffhangers. But yeah, take enough. a look at what is going on with us as far as things are going economically right now. And this month, everything has to do with our finances. What we can save, what we can hold on to or what we're about to lose, because everything deals with how we handle our money right now. And this month, it's very, very important, because next month we're going to be wrapping a lot of things up. But So take your time. Put your pennies aside if you can. And anytime you can save a little bit, figure it's doubling up. If you can save $0.05 cents now, it's going to be worth $0.10 cents later. But groceries are atrocious, but they're... Certain specials if some of the places around here have started negating taxes on groceries or taxes on baby things, which will help a little bit, but certainly not enough with the way the expenses are. But at this point in time, it's a great time to get your mind set for what you want to do financially because December is going to be a totally different ballgame. So anything you want to say, you got to do it now. I hate okay. to say that, but it's the way it is.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I was talking to someone today who owns a a construction business, and they do all types of heavy landscape work. And, of course, what do they Mm -hmm. use? Diesel fuel. And we've been told diesel is going to go up to $10 a gallon, which is crazy. And how are these people going to be able to continue to work? And it's it's unaffordable. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying about saving and... Thinking ahead, because the things that we're so used to coming easily or less expensively, uh, we're in for a bit of a, a surprise, I think, with all of that. So I'm going to heed your advice. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm well, listening anything your advice you do this month will be a
0: plus. Next month, it's wrapping up of a lot of things that in the end are going to cost us so much more. And, of course, with all the holidays coming, everybody's got all these great ideas of what they'd like to do. Be grateful if we can get together for a little snack, a little of trying to feed a whole group of people, because it's going to be darn near impossible with the cost of everything. Wow.
1: Yeah, turkeys are way, way up. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, even getting a turkey for Thanksgiving is costing a lot more than it did before. Yes. Yeah, having yes, eggs yes. for breakfast has gone out of sight. Oh, this well, is what I'd like to start this, raising yeah. my own chickens. Yeah. I know. Well, we have a, a lovely farm down the street, and and their feed costs have gone through the roof. And yeah. it's you know, of course, that makes your eggs more expensive. But we like to support
0: mm-hmm.
1: the small farms that that are around here, and of course, their eggs are fabulous, and they're getting more expensive. We don't mind paying a small farmer because obviously we're helping to to subsidize what they're doing. And it's right. worth it to us. But, I mean, it, it can go so high that it becomes, again, unaffordable. But
0: anyways, well, good advice, nice PK. Yeah. We'll just keep our fingers crossed And when you can put, just for the heck of it, try taking whatever change you have on a day-to-day basis and throw it in a little kitty. The end of the month may not be a heck of a lot, but it may be enough to give you something that's special.
1: That'll make you feel yeah. a little better with the way everything else is. Oh, that's a great idea. Heard. Nice gift to the self. Yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also I just wanted to again say to everybody, go to our Supernatural Girls homepage and take a look there. We've got a lot of health products and you will get a discount when you purchase from our website. Mm -hmm. So we've got the liquid vitamins, and we have all kinds of other things. We've got the Spectra Watch, and that one, as I mentioned, Dr. Weber has invented the new version of that called the Endolite, which is seven times more powerful. They've sold out already of the first run, and they're getting a whole batch of new ones made. I can't wait to try one, and I'll I'll report back on all of that. But if you want to know more about it, we have a show in our archives on Blog Talk Radio with Dr. Weber, and he talks about all of this. He's an amazing genius. He's invented all of these laser products, some for home use like the laser watch and some for use in clinics Mm -hmm. like the laser IV, which is incredible. So anyways, uh, feel free to, to take a listen to him again absolutely incredible some of the things that he's invented to um, to basically keep you healthy or bring you back from the brink of, of chronic illness so uh, really don't be afraid to go back in our archives we've got a lot of things back there and we had a great show last week with our shaman don oscar from peru he yes, an amazing amazing yes amazing guy now he told us about sisto a friend of his in peru who he witnessed mm-hmm. being taken up in a spaceship. So, we've requested that he come back with Cisto, since Cisto only speaks Spanish, and we don't. That perhaps he could translate, and since he knows Cisto very well and knows the whole story, it would make for a, a nice interview. So we'll see if he can carve out a little bit of time to join us again, and and we can have that whole story right from Cisto. It would be amazing. That would be phenomenal. So ten- I know, really. I can't wait. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. So <laughs> tonight we're going to heal our PTSD. Which you know, I was talking about Hebrew school last last show, how mm-hmm. how it gave right. me PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people were writing and asking, "How did that give you you know trauma?" And I said, "I'll tell you how. <laughs> I had to go to regular school during the day, like mm-hmm. everybody else. Then I I come home." get a quick snack, and then I'd have to go right back to school for Hebrew school. Oh, it was horrible. Anyways, it gave me trauma. What can I tell you? So,
0: <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I was
1: raised Catholic. <laughs> well, there you go. See, so you know. You know, you feel, you feel no, the pain. No. So oh, yes. we have a, a great guest tonight. We have Linda Yale Schiller, and she is going to be talking us through The whole thing about PTSD, which has come to our consciousness, I don't know, in the last maybe 10 years or so, and then how we can work with our dreams to heal ourselves from trauma. This is a a wonderful new way of working with dreams. I'm going to tell you about our guest tonight. So, Now, Linda is a mind-body-spiritual psychotherapist. She's a consultant, an author, and international teacher. Linda facilitates group dream circles and provides individual sessions on working with dreams. Linda's trained in numerous mind-body methods such as EMDR, EFT, energy psychology, enneagram, and integrated trauma treatments. You can find her at ptsdreams.com, and she's with us tonight. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Great to have you. Well, we need to to learn all about getting rid of trauma with dreams. It's a very exciting topic. But let's start with you. How did you get into this? Well, there's there's sort of two two angles. One is uh, is getting is doing
2: dream work and the other is doing uh trauma treatment. And I've been doing dream work actually and trauma treatment for about 40 years. And just sort of through my professional circles and and in my training, I I took many, many classes, you know, post-grad as well as in graduate school um, on working with trauma and learning various forms of body-mind integrated ways of healing from trauma. And at the same time, I was introduced to dream work through my own personal dream circle in my late 20s when a friend of mine moved up to the Boston area where I live and started a dream circle and invited me to join. And she said to me, will you you know, join me in the dream circle? And my answer was yes. And then my next question was, what's a dream circle? So she went on to explain what that was, but I had the intuitive knowledge to say yes to something that became really my life's work before I even exactly knew what it was. Um, so that sort of, I was led by both an invitation and my intuition to say yes, and then ultimately over the years combined the two as I deal more and more with people both in my individual practice and at a, on a world stage, really, as we struggle and deal with various forms of trauma and the need to find a lot of different ways to, to heal from it.
1: Yeah, we need as many as we can get. And explain, if you would... What is post-traumatic stress
2: disorder? Sure. So when someone, there's a, a, what's called the DSM, which stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's sort of like the, the diagnostic bible, if you will, of, of giving someone a diagnostic code that's for insurance billing. But they um, categorize different types of disorders, and, and their categorization, PTSD, is post-traumatic stress disorder so one can develop this as a result of having experienced or witnessed life threatening or what feels life life threatening events whether or not they actually were and key in this is that whether or not you've experienced something personally or have been witness to or have been in the field or uh, arena of other people who've experienced them, you can develop some of the symptomatology of nightmares and high anxiety and startle response and mood swings just just to name name a few and And what's important to mention is that not everyone, however, who goes through a traumatic event develops PTSD because when we experience trauma, we have normal reactions to upsetting circumstances and events but if we have the internal and the external resources and support to metabolize and work them through and if the events themselves have a finite end that's critical as well we're not still ongoing we kind of metabolize it on our own and work it through after a few months and It only is categorized with the D, disorder, if someone has been experiencing the symptoms
1: without let up for six months or more. Okay. Yeah, so this can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be physical trauma. It can be something that you witness. It can be something that is emotional. It doesn't have to be that you are in Vietnam. It can be something else that you're left with, something that's actually interfering in a major way or in a minor way with your life. So how does right. this manifest and for people? How does this interfere for them?
2: I'm sorry. Were you going, did I interrupt you? Uh,
1: no, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. i interesting that, that you mentioned later.
2: Um, Vietnam because that's actually when we first developed this whole category of PTSD was with the soldiers mm-hmm. coming back to Vietnam before that, when soldiers came back from the theater of war, it was called shell shock um, or war neurosis. Right. And the idea of treatment then was send them back into the front as quickly as possible, um, get them back to functioning, and in that case functioning in a, in a war zone. And while that might have allowed the young men or women to, to continue to, to fight, it didn't really do anything for their mental health. Um, so, no. But in the 60s. And then since then, in the last several decades, we've learned more and more about the effects that traumatic events can have on our mind, body, and spirit. And we've developed a variety of different integrated ways to deal and heal from the effects of the trauma. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be as, as dramatic as being in a war Um, And there are what we call big T traumas and then little T traumas, right? And and big T traumas are things like being in a war or being a prisoner of war or being uh, a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault um, or growing up in a very dysfunctional, abusive household. These are are big T traumas, and those clearly can generate uh, symptomatology and reaction of PTSD. And then we have... Smaller traumas that can still be upsetting, but we wouldn't put them necessarily in the same category as an assault. Um, You've had a fender bender on the highway. You had COVID, but not really, really badly, right? Maybe you you didn't have to go to the hospital. You didn't need special medical treatment. You just felt lousy for a week. But you worried about it while you had it, right? So Mm -hmm. there was trauma involved, even if it wasn't, you were sent to the hospital and had to be intubated for a
1: while. Mm-hmm. So how do these symptoms manifest for people? I know there's a wide range, but you speak about somebody who, um, who has COVID and it's lingering effects, and then they, they're, they're carrying, I would imagine, a bunch of fear around it, and it, it gets in the way of their daily life. So there's less joy, yeah. there's more anxiety. Is that how people experience this? Sure. So when we've been through
2: traumatic events in our life, there are several layers that affect what are the symptoms. One is what happened. What are the events that contributed to the trauma? Um, two is what are the resources, whether they're medical or emotional or, 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 you know, food and shelter resources, whatever kind of resources we need um, to support us during and after that time. And third is how do other people react and respond when they hear about the trauma that we've experienced? And that then leads us into the different types of trauma. We said there was big T and little t. And then there's also public and private trauma. And public trauma is something that happens in the outside world where anybody looking would say, yeah, that was a horrible thing you went through. Private trauma, however, happens behind closed doors, and it happens in the privacy of people's homes and in their religious organizations and in their sports teams um, and their schools and on the playground, and it includes bullying or scapegoating or physical, emotional, sexual assault. And these are things that often happen with no one witnessing. So it becomes a matter of, he said, she said. And then the question is, when someone who's been victimized by their trauma reports it to family or someone else, are they believed? Are they supported? How does that other person react? Are they blamed? And that response of the potential helpers or allies, or not, as the case may be, becomes part of the field of how we heal from the traumatic events
1: right i mean it's and it is a challenge for people to get through this, so um talk therapy has a lot of limitations, but when you're working with dreams, you have access to so many more levels of consciousness right you, you can and you can walk through this a lot differently and with more transformative power, it seems, so tell us about how you work with people with PTSD and how you integrate dream practice to help them. Sure. So
2: one of the symptoms of PTSD are flashbacks where someone is um, re-experiencing the events that occurred. And those, and so there's two layers of what happens in a dream. Flashbacks are usually things that happen in your waking life where suddenly you're sort of transported into a, a moment of distress when in your actual present moment in time and place you're, you're perfectly safe. Now, in our dreams and nightmares, we can re-experience historical traumas or current traumas in two ways. One is through the sort of instant repack play. It's kind of like a flashback in your dream where the dream cycles and repeats. This was what happened to me before and this is what happened and this is what happened and you get this case of sort of the reoccurring dream or nightmare of the event itself. So that's one type of nightmare that people can have with traumas. The other type of nightmare people can have with a history of trauma is the metaphor And very, very often people have dreams with distressing emotions, with anxiety and trepidation and dread and fear, with any number of different scenarios or um, storylines connected with the dream that aren't what actually happened to the person but are the metaphor or layers of association to what happened. And then our work is to slowly peel back the layers to find what are these dream images connected to, where is their source, so we can heal both the nightmare itself so that people don't keep being awakened and terrified by their nightmares, as well as because we're dealing at this deeper layer of consciousness, we can heal forwards and backwards in time and space. And that's one of the beauties of doing dream work, is that we have access to our deeper, higher selves, and our unconscious sends up, if you will, an an SOS, saying, Something isn't settled here. Something isn't metabolized. You, you haven't finished dealing with something. And it will continue sending up these SOSs from your, your deepest self until your conscious mind says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this nightmare and see what is the message here and what's the healing that I have to do. And then from there, there's a variety of different ways we work with the nightmares to bring um, understanding and and calm and and ultimately to bring the safety that's missing into the dreamscape so that we can generate it into other times and places.
1: Yeah, and I think it, it obviously does take someone who's highly trained like you to walk people through this. I mean, some of the the big complaints that we've heard about working with the dreams. Well, I don't know what it means. It, it doesn't seem to mean anything. It's just stupid. And I, I can't figure it out. I mean, people really stumble. They use it as a stopping point instead of moving ahead and learning more about their mm-hmm. own personal symbolism and universal symbol. It's too bad because it, it ends up feeling, uh, they feel frustrated. And yeah. so it, it helps to have somebody like you to uh, to share with them this is how you can interpret this. This is how mm. you can see this from a different perspective. And certainly do you find that in dreams people get that perspective pretty easily of understanding? Well it 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 depends on, on so many
2: different things and in my my sphere of, of dream work as a member of IASD, the International Association for the Study of Dreams, which, as I mentioned before the show started, we had our first live meeting since COVID, and, you know,
1: for three hey. years
2: in Tucson, summer. <laughs> and we're going to be in Ashland um, <laughs> next year, next June. Um, but we don't even use the word dream interpretation because I'm not telling you what your dream means, but I'm helping to guide you to find the meaning that resonates as true for you. So mm-hmm. I may be asking questions or the group that you're working with may be asking questions or your friend or your partner may be asking questions that help you do the, the, the deep dive into the potential associations. And we have learned to say not this is what your dream means, but I'm wondering if you thought about this. Or if it were my dream, I might be thinking about this association. Does that, does that work for you? So for starters, we, we're honoring the dreamer because the dreamer, him or herself, is the final expert, if you will, at what the meaning of their dream is. Because right? I might have great ideas, but if you don't get that bone-tingling aha, you know, someone I was talking with the other day said, if I, I have to be gobsmacked um, by it to know <laughs> that it's true for me. And I said, that's a great way of putting it. Um, so that's, for, for starters, is that the, the final arbiter of, of the meaning of the dream is the dreamer. That being said, there are also multiple simultaneously true layers of a dream. So even Carl Jung himself, one of the fathers of modern dream work, said he always needed to talk to someone else to find the layers of deeper meaning in his dreams because we can't see the back of our own heads without not just one, but two mirrors, right? We need someone else to help us see what is unseen to us, what is buried in our own unconscious. So if someone is not dealing with deep, serious trauma that they know about and are working with a therapist or an expert in the field. But if they have upsetting dreams, if they have nightmares that are concerning, by all means they can talk with their friend, with their partner, with um, and, and with a group of others to share associations and share possibilities of what these dreams mean um, so that we get to see the back of our own heads, if you will, with the help of these mirrors held up by others.
1: Yeah, that's a great
2: question. Do you have to be asleep to dream? That's a very, very good question. So the answer is actually no. So as we're talking about these multiple layers of consciousness, there's Mm -hmm. a whole... Spectrum or range of states of consciousness in between I'm wide awake right now and I'm sound asleep, having REM sleep, and REM stands for rapid eye movement, which is Mm -hmm. the deepest state where we have our sleeping dream. But in between those two states of being, we have I'm wide awake is one, at one end of the spectrum, Um, two is I... Had uh, I'm spacing out for a little while, I've had a, a minor dissociation, like you're driving mm-hmm. on the highway, literally, you know, a route you're familiar with, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I missed my exit ten minutes ago, right? And you weren't conscious of it. But then you say, oh, well, who's been driving the car for the last ten minutes? If I just <laughs> noticed it, it's layer of our consciousness was driving the car, and another layer, of it was somewhere else, right? And then we have daydreaming. Right? Where we're sort of Mm -hmm. having a reverie, And we have what we call um, dreaming while awake, which is also sometimes called paying attention to signs and synchronicities. When does something come together with an aha, when we're awake, all of a sudden we, we know something in a way that we have sort of no business knowing or that feels like it's a coincidence, but it's really more than a coincidence. Sometimes déjà vu is in this category of of, of synchronistic um, associations to things. So these are all pretty much, you know, we're, we're wide awake when we have all these experiences. And then before deep sleep, we have these threshold states that Jung called the hypnopompic and the hypnagogic zone. And those are when you're just falling asleep at night, but you're not quite asleep yet, or you're just waking up in the morning, but you're not fully awake yet, those in-between liminal spaces where you can be aware you're dreaming and you're awake and you're not quite doing either one, those are dreams too. So all of the above can be places you can have dreams. That's good to know
0: because sometimes it's difficult to put things in order. And there's that sensation. You're feeling things or aware of things, but you're not really asleep. And those, I think, right. can be more uh, alarming in a way because yeah. you know that so there those should be those more answers to what's
2: happening. Those are those threshold states that actually are generated from the same parts of our brain that technical deep REM sleep is generated from. So in mm-hmm. order... So for us to be aware of the relevance and potential importance of these sensations and emotions and pictures and stories that we have in those in-between zones will allow us to capture this whole rich area of information that we might have otherwise discarded. That's interesting, because sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel things or are aware of them, but
0: don't necessarily have good, what we call very good dreams or something that you would feel a part of, but there's that sensation that you've dreamt, but you don't feel like you dream, that in-between right. stage is very fluctuating
2: right. to some of us. Right. So there's two things I'd like to respond P.K. to that. One is that the very best way to remember your dreams, whether they're from your deep REM sleep or this this in-between threshold state, is to write them down. Get a journal. And I know young people today don't do as much writing, but I, I, I prefer always if you can get a journal that you write by hand. But if that's not your thing, at least... Um, type it into your computer or your phone or voice record it somewhere. Because dreams are so ephemeral, right? They're like little wisps of smoke. And if you, if you right. move too quickly, you get up and you take your shower and brush your teeth, they're gone. So we have to anchor them down some way in order to be able to remember them, A, and then B, to, to work with them. So that's part A, and there's other things, if you want, we can talk about in terms of how to better remember your dreams, but for starters, get it down in in writing or, or voice activation in some way. And the other is, if you wake and you have a body sensation or an emotion that isn't doesn't seem to be connected with what's going on in your immediate environment. Like you wake up and you're feeling very anxious, but you don't really know why. There's no particular thing going on. That was your dream. So write that Hmm. down in your journal. (laughs) On, you know, Wednesday, November 11th, my dream was I felt anxious. And and you can track. This is called the emotional narrative of the dream, because sometimes your dreams will come through full blown with stories and and pictures and images, and sometimes they'll just come through with an emotional resonance. So if we value that and and track that as well, it will help lead us into a deeper layer of the dream and of whatever is generating that emotion. Yeah, See, that's great. That's fine,
1: on an
0: occasion that says, I've never dreamed. I don't dream at all. I've never had a dream. And I'm finding that very difficult to believe, but is that possible?
2: Well, actually it's not. What is true is that they might not remember their dreams, but we know just from a <laughs> physiological view that we all have five to seven REM cycles every night because people have gone to sleep labs and have had, you know, the electrodes put on their head and have tracked when they have the REM state. We Mm -hmm. only remember their dreams, though, that we have just before waking. So if people are not waking following a REM period, they will tend not to remember their dreams or things they didn't have any. And if they don't really care about dreams, right, if they don't value them, if they're not Mm -hmm. attending to wanting to remember them, they probably won't remember they had them either, right? Because you know, energy goes, where, or, or excuse me, yeah, mm-hmm. energy flows where attention goes. So if we really don't care that much if we remember our dreams, we'll probably tend not to remember
1: them that much. Yeah, that's exactly. And, yes, and I do hear we hear that a lot. You know, where people say I can't remember them no. or I don't dream, and we know that's not true. We know they dream, but there's there's no interest in it. So. Again, it's great that you're here tonight, and hopefully, will inspire more people to pay attention to write their dreams down. It's, I think, it's one of the most important healing things you can do, whether you have PTSD yeah. or not. So, A- absolutely. It's... And and what might be motivating for some people, I joke
2: sometimes, and I and I tell my clients, you're missing out on free therapy every night if you don't write <laughs> <That's> down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, so I right.
1: <laughs> and then you <laughs> You don't have to pay for yeah. it. My God. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I think people leave leave way too much on the table when they don't work I with know. their dreams. And it's um Go ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I no no I'm done you
2: find many people are
0: are fearful of dreaming.
1: Well, that's
2: an interesting question. Um I'm not sure how many people are fearful of dreaming per se, but I think a lot of people are fearful of their nightmares because mm-hmm. if you think about it, who wouldn't be? Nobody wants to wake up feeling terrified and, and dread and, and like imminent disaster is happening. So it's not unusual for people to want to push away those uncomfortable experiences mm-hmm. and storylines because it's scary to, to go there. So this is where um, a working with somebody else to help keep you safe and grounded is useful, and then b there's a in in a minute I'll tell you about the protocol that I designed called the Gaia method, um, which stands for Guided Active Imagination Approach, which helps you work with scary dreams and nightmares from a safe place. So that being said, and I'll, I'll circle back to that afterwards. But in response to your question, um, dur- for, if t- dreams have been recorded from antiquity, from biblical times on, and probably before there was writing, I'm sure, there were dream- was dreaming. And dreams have been attributed to a variety of different sources, ranging from the spiritual world to demonic possession to... Uh, Having um, eaten bad food and depending on, A, your belief system, and B, what you may or may not have learned in any kind of religious school, um, you may have an orientation that dreams are not um, holy or kosher or safe to pay attention to and that you shouldn't pay attention to, like, sorcery or something like that, um, depending on the upbringing you might have had. So that might be why some people would be less inclined to pay attention to their scary dreams as well. What about
0: sleep paralysis? Good. That was exactly what I was going to ask
1: about. Oh, you're reading my mind. Um, Yeah, sleep paralysis (laughs) is a very interesting uh, phenomenon. How do you interpret that? How do you explain that? In sleep,
2: well, it's interesting because you're, you're, you, know, in, you intuitively followed the thread that in um, medieval times sleep paralysis was attributed to some kind of a demon like sitting on your chest and holding you down, like the incubus or the succubus, the, the evil male demon or the evil female demon. Um, and we know that's not the case. <laughs> but what it is is a state where, you know, when we are asleep, Our motoric responses, our bodily responses are suppressed so that we don't get up and act out every single thing that we're dreaming. Now, sometimes those motoric responses are not sufficiently repressed, and then we have the opposite dilemma of sleepwalking or you, you or your child, sometimes it's a phase that kids go through that the the part of the brain that suppresses the motoric response to the images is not sufficiently held down to keep you from getting up and walking around your house and doing things while you're sound asleep. The flip side of that is that you're held down too long after you wake. So it's a sense that your body, and it's it's very scary. I've heard people describe this. It's a, it's a scary feeling that you, you're like paralyzed and you can't move um, and you're like stuck in your bed and stuck in the place wherever the dream was when you wakened and what the recommendation is for most people is when, if you experience that, it is a sort of a psychophysiological phenomenon, to kind of use a fancy phrase to so just as best as you can, take some deep breaths, and you want to have your out breath be twice as long as your in-breath, because that's calming to our nervous system. We can, we can relax our nervous system by having a longer exhale than an inhale, and then start to move your body a little tiny bit at a time. So if you're feeling, if you're subject to sleep paralysis, start with just trying to move a pinky finger or, or your big toe, and then gradually work your way up to your whole hand, your arm, until finally you can sit up and actually move around and the combination of the breathing, the gradual movement, and also assuring yourself that you are now safe and you're not actually in danger will help your body to relax into a full waking
1: state where you can move again. Well that's good advice. I like that. Now also a lot mm-hmm. of people when they have sleep paralysis, they have they're also witnessing something else uh, often. Uh, described as the hag, the woman with the white hair that just appears as a face or a head in front of them. And there's a lot of people that see the same thing. Where does that come from? So
2: we have our dreams and our images come from two different places, the personal and the universal. So we all have our own personal repertoire of dream Symbols and metaphors and meanings that have a, uh, an idiosyncratic personal meaning to us. We also, because we share the human race, have certain um, archetypes or, or, or cultural phenomena that we have in common. And some of the archetypes that we share are of the crone or the wise woman or the hag or the, the Baba Yakov in Russia um, – these, these ancient figures that sometimes are, are scary and sometimes are not. But usually what it means is that you're having an encounter with something a little beyond normal time and space where you're in some kind of a liminal exchange and there's information potentially available to you from this, this wise figure if you can find a way not to be afraid and to feel safe enough to approach and talk with her um about
1: what is the message she's bringing. Yeah, I I find it very interesting that it's the same uh same vision. I mean this this is this, over and over again people talking about the hag and I I had that experience myself once when I was in my 20s and I it, it was the feeling that somebody was staring at me. And I woke up from a deep sleep, opened my eyes, and I couldn't move anything else. But that's when I saw this face in front of me. And it was a woman's face, old woman's face, with white long white hair that was like the wind was blowing it backwards from her face. And it was so startling. I mean, it wasn't a scary thing, but it was startling. And mm. so I let out this enormous scream and... My husband was like, what the hell is wrong with you? But uh, that's, that's what I saw. But then, of course, so many other people say, I saw the same thing. You know, I was startled by the same thing, had the same experience. I find that fascinating. People in other cultures, people around the world seeing the same thing. and And also being in a, a state of sleep paralysis. Right. So...
2: I don't know. There's, there's no uh, single definitive like, answer to what this is. But, but some of what I have learned and my theories and people I've spoken to, we know that in modern and ancient and indigenous cultures, there are male and female archetypes, and that we all embody some of both. And they're often associated with certain traits, the male um, animus traits and the female, anima, the female anima and the female animus traits. And in ancient Greek mythology, for example, Sophia is the goddess of wisdom. She's the oracle that we would go to. So in many, many cultures, the female form is the wisdom holder and the goddess of the land, and Gaia, which will I'll come back um, to talk about, the Gaia method, named after this, um, this earth mother goddess of Gaia. So, and she's often seen as someone with wisdom, an older woman, a crone, if you will, Um, and if we honor the wisdom of the feminine side of the divine, because so many of our Western cultures speak more about the masculine side of the divine, but we were originally created androgynous, so we have male and female sides to us, so I'm... Hypothesizing that this somewhat universal experience of seeing the feminine face in a dream, particularly of an older woman, is a way to access some of this feminine wisdom that we may not be honoring sufficiently in our waking life.
1: Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. I again, I was always uh, taken with that. I just uh, since I had the experience myself. I always wanted to know more about it. It just was, mm. was so, uh, so interesting. So, yeah, there's so many. And you talk about layers to dreams. You talk about how to right. unpack that in your book, which, by the way, everybody, is a great book. It's called PTS Dreams, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dreamwork. So how do yes. you help somebody unpack their dream?
2: So I'm going to answer that in, in, there's two, uh, methods that I've designed. And, and one is the, looking at the layers of the dream, which I, I use, it's called the Pardez method. And the word Pardez is, means orchard in Hebrew. And it's also an acronym for ever-deepening layers of uncovering the meaning of sacred books. So each letter then stands for a word which stands for a a layer of of reading the Torah and the holy books or of reading your dream. So the P is the top layer, which is pshat, which in English would translate as the simple. And that's the storyline of your dream. The dream as you dreamt it and the landscape and the characters and the emotions in your dream. So that's your top layer, the dream you dreamt. The next layer under that is the R for the word remes, which means hinted at. So this is the layer where you begin to have your first associations to what you dreamt. So you might say, oh, I dreamt about taking a trip to India, and you wake up, And you say, oh, yeah, I had Indian food last night. We went out, I had biryani, and that's probably why I dreamt of taking a trip to India. Okay, that was your first association. So you notice, and and part of the gift of doing dream work is the gift of associations. So you want to let yourself, let your creativity go and and not suppress or hold back. Any associations you might have, even if it doesn't seem originally connected to your dream at this layer. So um, a friend of mine, for example, just wrote to me that she had a dream that involved swimming in the Dead Sea in Israel. And so we we worked with associations to what does it mean to be in a salty sea and uh, is salt somehow relevant for her and sometimes tears are salty and does, does that have any relevance for her? And then if we, she played with the words of the Dead Sea. What is the, the sea of the dead? Oh, so that started to connect her with her ancestors then. Is she now having taking more of an interest in exploring her, some of her ancestors and her history that she hadn't before? So this begins to take us, as we do this deeper association, into the next layer, which is the D, or drash, which comes from the word lidrosh, which means to pursue or to chase after. And this is the revealed layer, that when we start to peel and and deepen our associations and follow the threads, and this we use a variety of different types of dream work to do, um, including working with symbol and working with metaphor and using the gestalt method where every person in the dream and even every object in the dream is some aspect of yourself um, that's one way of doing the dream so many different ways of doing dream work here to get to the deeper layers and then finally the f or the sud stands for the secret or the mystical layer and this is the transpersonal layer of the dream where we have the potentiality To connect with departed relatives, to have a a, a visit in in a dream, to have a connection with a a spirit guide or a totem animal or someone from the other side, um, or to peek around the corners of time and space and have a sense of prophecy in dreams, which we know also is, is one of the potential layers of dreams as well. And we're certainly not limited to these four layers, but this is just a system. a system. Excuse me, Freudian slip. A system I designed um, to help us ascertain and, and go to these ever-deepening layers that provide a map, a roadmap, if you will.
1: Yeah, that's great, gosh. Well, we need that roadmap because there's so much potential here with dreams, and so we need these roadmaps to help us to understand more about how to work with them. It looks like we have somebody calling in that has a question for you, so let me get them on. Great. Hi, who's calling? Yes, hi, my name is Patricia. Another Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Linda tonight?
0: Hi. Hi, I just uh, saw the subject. Um, how, uh, I've been, well, first off, uh, I have PTSD, uh, unfortunately from different, uh, situations, uh, from rape then sexual harassment and then living with a single parent, uh, who would just, mm, Dealing with a lot of anger issues and you know verbal emotional abuse, and um, I'm uh, have started to use uh, energy healing modalities to start dealing with and releasing the trauma and the uh, abuse. But I I've, I've been having a difficult time remembering my dreams. Um, no, of course I'm gonna take this back. A couple of nights ago, I believe as I was waking up, I was walking into a um, some big building or something with some other women. Don't know them. Jennifer Lopez, yes, the actress, was standing in the lobby. But then she uh, she wanted to. She called me over or something. And it was someone behind me that she wanted to try and impress. Now, I don't know her. Obviously, she wasn't Jennifer Lopez in there, in that dream. Um, And of course, I certainly don't know her. And I was trying to figure out what the heck does that mean or is that a part of me that is Jennifer Lopez or what? Mm. (laughs) Hmm.
2: So um, are you ready for me to respond or was there something else you wanted to share, Patricia? Um, and, of course, I'm trying to figure
0: out why am I in this building and, and of course, I can't figure out what I'm doing at
2: all. Mm, okay. Um, so first I want to just say I'm I'm so sorry for what you have experienced and the traumas that you've had in your life and I appreciate your... Your courage in in calling in to have a conversation about this, because that's a, a a wonderful step and and you also said you're starting to explore doing some work, some energy healing and, and other work to deal with some of these things so So good for you for your courage in stepping forward and, and taking back your own power to deal with this. Um, so what you said about you're in some building, and i 'll get to the Jennifer Lopez part in a minute. You're in some building and you don't know sort of why you're there or where you are or how you got there. As I listen to the, the back story you told before the dream of of experiences you've had in your life, it almost feels to me like that could be the metaphor for kind of what you have experienced and lived through. How, how did I get here? What, what am I doing in this place where these difficult things are happening to me? And there's a way where that image... Oh, or that metaphor has has come through as sort of the, the setting almost of, of your dream. So the question that I would ask for you to think about is who is Jennifer Lopez to you? Like when you think about Jennifer Lopez, because I don't know her. I know the name, and I, I, I sort of know who she is a little bit, but not a lot. But, what do you think about? What are your associations to Jennifer Lopez when you think about her?
0: Uh, yes, and I mean, obviously I know you know who she is. She started out as a dancer, uh and then she moved into acting and now she and then she began to sing, and uh, I mean, she's an ambitious you know woman, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. Um, she's not a, you know, she's. I don't look up to her. Uh, mm-hmm. I respect for, you know, from where she came from. I think out of the Bronx, from a working class family to what she is now. Yes, she works mm-hmm. hard, but also she. And I'm not, you know, it's probably well known that she's, uh, she's. And of course, I'm sure we all do this to a certain degree, you know, using whatever situation or persons to move on and advance herself. But uh, yeah, so I uh, would, would I you say it.
2: that your emotional response to Jennifer Lopez would be mostly positive or mostly negative, or do you mostly respect her? How, how do you like feel about her? Um,
0: it's probably you know it's probably a mix of of both. I mean, yes, uh-huh. I I respect from what you know she has accomplished. You know, yes, she works hard. She's ambitious. I was okay. you know, what you know, this working hard. I'm tired of just for me period. Um, but right. but you know I get that. Um, you know she's ambitious and. uh, mm-hmm. uh Okay. You know. Uh, so, um, and, you know, uh, yeah, so it's it's probably half and half.
2: Right. So what I would wonder, and again, we're not going to sort of necessarily unpack the entire meaning of your dream for you, but as I listened to you describe this character of Jennifer Lopez in your dream, who was what we would call the CI or the central image, she's like the the, the biggest, you know, largest center of the dream the way you described it, She's kind of a mixed bag, but mostly you respect that she's wor- she's come up from a difficult working class background. She's worked really hard. She's been ambitious and you you watched her move into different um stages in her life and different professional accomplishments from dancer to actor to singer. And if it were my dream or if I was talking to you about your dream, I would wonder about how that might be either a part of you and or a role model for you Um, as someone who has had maybe not the same but maybe some similar difficulty in your background. You described a few things that were quite hard. And you are working hard to move past. You know some of those origins, and it might be that if you take a page from her book and you see, oh, she worked hard, she was ambitious, and she made some successes in her life, and that can help point you perhaps in a direction for your own healing, where even though we all get tired of working hard sometimes, goodness knows, um that there will be a successful outcome, that you will see the fruits of your labors of working hard in the way that J-Lo has seen the fruits of her labors by working hard to overcome some of her difficult background. So that would be one thing that I would think of to offer you for your for your dream.
0: Okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, can I ask also... Uh, uh, in working on myself, um, with my uh, self-healing, uh, not only with, yes, my emotional and mental health, uh, and, you know, from uh, the assault on my female, you know, cells and energies with the rape, uh, but I'm recovering there and, and healing my wounded child, um, mm. and start to work on my shadow self, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, because I tempted to try the, um, oh, I spoke to a counselor briefly who was volunteers with the Rape Crisis Center, and long story short, um, I told her, you know, that I had been raped, but what had triggered me, I was... Going to some community college classes, taking a courses, uh, um, audio engineering. Some of the males in that department, most of them, uh, just begin bullying me, you know, and just giving me a hard time, the yelling, screaming. Then the, the couple starts sexually harassing me verbally. Now I reported, you know, this, you know, with the failing me in classes and, of course, retaliation. Uh, But I did, you know, I went to a counselor. She did nothing, and I put in a complaint. Uh, And, you know, I'm being treated, you know, I'm being given, you know, these, you know, angry faces like I'm the problem. And, of course, since I've been sexually harassed all my life, I just knew, you know, I didn't say anything about that. But when I began, when I – and I finally quit – going to those classes, which hurt me, but I'm going to, you know, still take those classes elsewhere. Um, But anyway, um, with this counselor, I was telling her that it triggered me. Now, no one knew Mm -hmm. about me being raped and all that. Who were you, young
2: young person, when you were raped?
0: No, this was recently. Uh,
2: Oh, okay. Oh, I'm so sorry
0: within the last five years, five or six years. Uh, And so, but basically she didn't seem to be all, all, she's basically saying to me, well, we can be, you know, in the past. We have to be present. And I think to myself, well, duh, I know that. And the reason I'm coming to you is because I'm being triggered. Shoot, I'm not interested in being there for the next 10,000 years. Right. And so I just stopped going to, her. I just didn't explain anything. I just stopped, mm-hmm. and so and then, you know, and then she says what well, she has to go and learn was it? And I see here in the description EMDR, and I'm going, what well, heck? She doesn't
2: seem to be, you know, all that, you know. So here's. Here's the thing, Patricia. First of all, I'm so sorry that you both have the experience that you've had of, of the rape and then the, the sexual uh, harassment at the, at the school, and of, of, course, sex, of course that would be triggering. The, the bottom line is when you seek out therapeutic counsel, to feel that you've connected with someone and that they are listening to you and understanding you and appreciating what you've been through is probably the first and most important thing. And then you want to have someone who has experience with what you have suffered and what you have struggled with. So you are absolutely allowed to to make calls and do a screening interview of a potential counselor or therapist and mm-hmm. ask In advance, prepare some questions that you would like to see how they respond to it. What's their background? What's their training? Do they know trauma-informed treatment? How long have they been practicing? So you get to ask these questions even before you start. And you also get to decide if this feels like the right connection for you or not the right connection for you. And some people have to go through, you know, trying a couple of different therapists before they find someone who's the right connection. So I, I really I, I wish you the best on your journey, that you continue to know that you are, you know, worthy mm-hmm. and, and able to heal, um, and to keep looking till you find a place where, where you can resonate with someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I'm just going to have to, look into the alternative health and, uh, you know, where, uh, and have to pay out my, my pockets, uh, which I'm not able to right now because, you know, even, a an insurance like a, um, a Medicaid wouldn't cover, say, a person with your training. Um, so, okay.
1: You might be surprised, uh, though, Patricia, how many really good therapists that uh, you can access, mm-hmm. really, under your insurance. So give that a try. And I want to thank you for your call tonight and being so open and honest with us and and reaching out to Linda to get your questions answered. So thank you so much, and good luck. All
0: right. Thank enough. you,
1: Yeah, it is. She brings up a, a really valid point about finding uh, somebody. I mean, you brought up the point of you got to find somebody you resonate with. I think some people get discouraged very quickly if they go to somebody they're covered by insurance, but they're not getting anywhere with that person. So they they need to know they have choices. They don't have to stick with that therapist. Right. You know, they could find somebody else. You know, who has different skill levels and can connect with them a lot better. It is a very personal relationship.
0: Definitely. Don't you think that sometimes if they don't feel the connection, they just quit instead of seeking out someone that could be better?
2: Well, that's absolutely true, and that's part of the problem, right? Because when someone has been traumatized in whatever form, part of You know, we were talking before about sleep paralysis. Well, there's waking paralysis, too, and and losing your voice and losing your sense of self-efficacy to be able to speak up for yourself. And so many people who have been subjugated and traumatized by someone bigger, stronger, and more powerful than them in in whatever way, shape, or form that happened, whether it's sexual assault or or emotional abuse or growing up with with raging parents or, or whatever it was, they feel that they... Don't have the right, or don't deserve, or simply don't have the voice available to them. Um, So to know that some, you know, for starters, that someone does have the right and and deserve to find a good connection and to find someone to work with. And there's a whole school of um, of of therapy based on Diana Fosha's work called ADEP. And it's based on the premise that we're all hardwired for healing and that our systems want to return to a baseline of homeostasis and equanimity and a healed state. And we simply have to keep paying attention to that sort of birthright as we move through our our life and our process, because it is hard to speak up if you don't feel you deserve something, or it is hard to speak up if you're, if you're not used to speaking up. So I think you're absolutely right that some people may just leave a, a therapy or a counseling setting without saying, hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling, or is there anything else we could do, um, or to continue to reach out um, to other alternative
1: options or modalities. Yeah, there's so many out there that are really effective, And it's, again, there's a lot now. We've talked a lot on the show about psilocybin, ketamine, other things that help with uh, converting trauma into a new pathway. And certainly Mm -hmm. with the dreams, you can, what I've experienced with clients is you can just help them wrap it right up. I mean, turn it into a, a totally different package. And it works. It works so well, as long as people will be consistent, pay attention and and keep working with it, like the dream group that you first joined, you mentioned at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. I mean those dream groups become so powerful over time. I know the first one I was in lasted a year, and it it was incredibly powerful to be a part of that energy,
2: absolutely. And I'm in my personal dream group. We've been meeting for, oh, about over 35 years.
1: (laughs) Wow. And I
2: facilitate professional dream groups, too, and some of them um, have been going on for, you know, a few weeks or a few months. And one of my ongoing groups, we've been meeting with different members, but for over 20 years um, because the connections are really profound when you work with a group of people and you do dream work and you share your dreams with them.
1: Yeah, and I've seen people over time develop the ability to have prophetic dreams, to know yeah. what's coming, whether it be on mm-hmm. a universal yeah. level, a global level, or just personal health problems or whatever. Um, we did have a guest on the show who, and a doctor who were talking about how women with breast cancer were able, they knew before they went to the doctor because their dreams mm-hmm. told them, you know, yes. you're, you're very have, ill, you have well, breast cancer. I have a, a couple of colleagues
2: who have uh, experienced that and who have actually written books uh, based on that um, exact phenomena of, of healing from breast cancer because of paying attention and listening to their dreams. Um, There's a whole type of dream work called prodromal dream work, which is about sort of medic alerts and health alerts. And sometimes it's, it's super direct, like, you know, this is going on in your body, but more often than not, it's a metaphor. Right? where there's some kind of a an image or a metaphor, particularly if it keeps repeating, and one of the layers of that dream work that we want to ask ourselves and ask our friends or our colleagues or our clients, depending on how you're working, is what is could this have to do with your health? And if so, what part of the body might it relate to? And tell your doctor, even if you think it's silly, to check out this. Uh, just for mm-hmm. example, the famous example um where one of the uh a woman dreamed that her purse was filled with um meat that was spoiling and it was starting to really it was in her pocketbook and she had a dream or variations on that theme a couple of times she went to her doctor and shared the dream and her doctor luckily took her seriously and worked her up, and they found that she had early stage ovarian cancer. Mm. And oh she goodness. would not have ever known about it because there were no symptoms at that stage. Mm-hmm. But because right. of the theme about, because purse is a metaphor sometimes for the womb and that female part of the body, and she was able to get treatment and
1: um, you know is a survivor. You know, many many years later after that. That's fantastic. And it's, it's so, again, it's something that can happen for everybody. So it's not like only certain people can have those kinds of dreams. Right. Anybody can have those kinds of dreams.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking back to the conversation with uh, the young know, lady at the beginning. Her choices of people that she kept thinking about, Jennifer Lopez, who is an extremely sensual, sexy individual, who is able to be who she is in front of everybody. And she walks her talk, so no one bothers her, according to what we see. With Patricia that we were talking with, do you mm-hmm. think the possibility of those, that type of freedom is what she wanted, is to be able to say, you're not going to bother me, even though she had been traumatized by what happened to her? The fact right. that she could associate with someone that gave the everything that she was fearful of.
1: Yeah.
2: So it's interesting because I didn't want to go too far into her dream because I, don't, I didn't know how long you wanted to you know, keep somebody on the air. But so sure. I can ask her a lot of questions about what, what happened in the dream with, with mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez. But your comment about that J- Jennifer Lopez is a sort of a, a sexy, self-assured actress is, mm-hmm. I think, right on the money and the collar, I mean, that's the part of her that would like to feel more comfortable with in her sexual self that would heal from the trauma to her sexual self as a result of the rape and the harassment. Mm -hmm. One of the things I I did mention when I was speaking with her was that this J-Lo could have been both a part of herself that, as you said, wants to sort of be recognized and or a role model, right? So here's something, Mm -hmm. if she's, of her and if she admires her in the dream she can aspire to being embodied with the fullness of her healthy out there sexuality like JLo
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: in a way that she hasn't been able to be because and of be same yeah exactly and she could feel that's, safe that way mm-hmm. and that's how we resolve a nightmare when we move from being scared to not being scared feeling calm, safe, relaxed. And people sometimes say, what's the difference between, um, or how do you know if you've resolved a nightmare if you resolved a trauma? And what, one of the answers is you, you, you know you've really moved in the direction of resolving and completely metabolizing the traumatic events when the things that happen to you are just a memory and nothing else when you're not still mm-hmm. having negative emotional reactions and responses to them. In other words, when you're no longer getting triggered by things that remind you of it.
1: Mm. Yeah, what freedom that brings. That's uh, that's really an important aspect of healing from the PTSD that you help so many people with. Now, let me ask you, because I just have a text question. People are saying, do you work with people uh, just face-to-face, or do you also work with them via Skype or Zoom or something like that? Um,
2: I, I do both, and not to, to be discouraging to to, the, to your listeners, but at, where I am right now in terms of my life and my career is I'm not personally taking on new clients. I'm willing to do consultations, like a one-time kind of a consultation thing. Um, and I do that online you know, as well as face-to-face. Um, but I would help, you know, refer people to other resources for further for further work.
1: Okay, and I just want to mention again, they can find you at com. Yeah, I, it's important, you know, when people hear someone like you on our show, they often want to know, can I work with this person? You know, even if I don't live in, mm-hmm. in the same town or city. So, so it's good that you can help them find resources. And and get on their way with this, because it's horrible to have to live with PTSD. I mean, it's stored in yeah. the tissues of your body, and right. it most certainly can lead to disease. And, and really, it's I think there's so many people with chronic illnesses, and it all started with some type of trauma. And they, actually, you know this probably better than anybody. That's what they're finding in research lately. Harvard has just come out with a bunch of studies about that. They're identifying particular traumas that lead to specific illnesses. So it's so important to clear that out.
2: Honor and recognize, and and Bessel van der Kolk, of course, his book "The Body Keeps the Score" was one of the groundbreakers in identifying this body-mind connection between what happens to us, what we feel in our emotions, and then how our body reacts and responds. We also, at the same time, have to be careful that we're not inadvertently blaming someone for their illness, and that was part of the problem with the early bind body work where people were thinking, oh, I I caused my cancer or it's my fault that I have cancer because I didn't do this right or wrong. We have to make sure we're not pointing a finger at someone, but just helping them see a connection in terms of the healing process.
1: Um, yes, and that's so true. That, uh, yes. I know
2: we just have a few more minutes, and I wanted to just mention that in doing, if you're working with your nightmares and if the goal is to start off being safe, before you work directly with the scary dreams and nightmares, is in the the book called PTS Dreams, and the website will describe, uh, you know, the details of the book. And each chapter has different exercises you can do as well, either on your own or with a friend or with a with a professional, depending on your level of trauma and, and upset. But you start with part one is all about getting resourced before you go to the dark and scary places and so the method the guided active imagination approach is based on these two legs and one leg is Jungian active imagination where you work with the dream once you've been once you're awake in a waking state to help make sense of it and you talk to the different characters for example with your image-slash-dream of the face of the hag. We might invite you to, you know, go back into the dream or the image and have conversations with her and have dialogue. But that would be part two because part one is first get resourced, and that is based on best practice trauma treatment of being resourced from EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and a variety of other mind-body therapies, where first you gather around yourself in a conscious, purposeful way, you invite in the people, the guides, the pets, alive or dead, real or imaginary, the objects, anything that helps you feel safe and protected and grounded until you feel ready to go into the dream and then to deal with the scary people and events, monsters or uh, hurricanes or whatever it was that was going on in your dream with your posse of safe people, objects and beings um, so that you're no longer in as vulnerable a place
1: as you were when you first
2: dreamed the dream.
1: That makes sense. I know it's also good when you're talking about having dream allies, no matter who they are, whether they're, again, alive or dead, pets or friends or family, and having those allies with you, <clears throat> that's a wonderful way to approach all of this, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's great. Yeah, one of the one great. Of little girls
2: worked with, um, I live in the Boston area, and a couple of years, ago, I can't remember even how many years ago now, we had the... The, the Marathon bomber was here in, in Greater Boston at, at the Boston Marathon, and she was eight years old at the time, and in the, one of the the two people from the bombing hid in the town she lived in until he was found. And she was having nightmares and having all kinds of stress responses, and her mom brought her in. And we did this Gaia method of of working with her dreams and nightmares, and one of the allies she brought in to her dream work, she said, I'm going to bring Glinda, the good witch from The Wizard of Oz, and she's going Mm. to be one of my allies. And it was just so perfect, and we fitted her out with a magic wand and with some ruby slippers, and it was a great... Magical image for her that helped her feel safe to go into her dreams and tell the bad guy in the dream, you know, you did a bad thing and you're going to go to jail. And the truth was is that the guy did get sent to jail and he was in Leavenworth in Kansas, way far away from Boston. And we looked at a map together to show her where Kansas was compared to where Boston was and, you know, with a whole variety of different methods and techniques, including artwork on the dream and drawing the pictures of the dream, um, she she sort of calmed down and was able to to recognize that she now now was safe and it wasn't still happening.
1: That is great. And it's an involved procedure, you know, and you certainly covered all your bases with that, to you know get the map out, show her how far away he was, all of those things. And I love the magic wand. That's such a sweet touch. You <laughs>
2: literally have magic wands in that office. I have three different kinds, so you can you can have your pick of of the magic one that was best for you.
1: Oh, that is so great. Gosh. Yeah, and I think dreams can help you find that voice, too. Not only feel safe, but find your voice again. I know one of the ladies we have on the show that um, she had cancer, and she was a part of this whole book around uh, listening to your dreams. She was specifically informed. Remember this one, PK? Um, Her dream told her exactly what test she needed. And Mm -hmm. that she had breast cancer again. This was her third time getting breast cancer. And when she went to her doctor's office, remember this? It was amazing. Um, Her doctor gave her a really hard time. And she said, well, I need this test. I have breast cancer again. And he goes, no, you don't. You don't have breast cancer again. You know, we just scanned you a month or so ago, and you're fine. And she's like, no, I know I have it, and this is the test I need so you can find it. And he refused to give it to her. So she lied down on his office floor and just started having a tantrum and said, I'm not leaving until you give me the the script for this Mm -hmm. test. And God bless her. She stood her ground and he ended up having the test ordered and sure enough she had You're breast right. cancer again and they they wouldn't no. have found it any other way this was the test yeah. she needed so you know her dreams and listening to her dreams and being alerted to this gave her the strength to to say that, i'm not leaving until you give this to me and it saved her life That's a very dramatic example
2: of, of the good. power of a dream she took so seriously and to to the extent of having a tantrum in the doctor's office, not, not everybody would do that.
1: (laughs) Well, no. And that's a, a lot of the problem. I have too many stories that we've all heard about people who've gone into doctor's offices and said, you know, I would like this particular test or whatever. I know a man who had high blood pressure and they kept medicating him over and over and over and it wasn't working. And he was talking to his sister-in-law, who was a nurse in a renal clinic, and she said, you need to have a scan of your kidneys. You could be having mm. something going on with your kidneys. that's creating this blood pressure mm. issue that can't be regulated with medication. So he went to his doctor and said, well, I'd like to have this test. And his doctor said no. And he said, I, I have to have this test. I want this test. And he just fought with him. And finally the doctor wrote out the order for it and threw it on the floor.
0: Oh, dear. In
1: front of him. Yeah. And, oh. But the thing is, guess what? He got his, his order. He went and had the scan, and sure enough, he had a tumor dead center oh. in his kidney. But, again, it's like you have to stand your ground and for all of these things. Uh, but certainly when it, when it comes to uh, being given medical uh, advice or medical care, if you mm-hmm. feel you know what you need, like this woman did – and like this, this gentleman did, you really need to stand for it. And having that voice or finding that voice, especially after you've been through trauma, is not the easiest thing in the world. But I think through working with your dreams and working with somebody like you, Linda, they can find it, and and they can mm, they can really get well. Yeah, mm, yeah. And one of the things I can find that voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah listeners, is that
2: you can put your dreams to work for you by doing a process. I know we're almost out of time for this evening, but you can do a simple process called incubating your dreams. So before you go to sleep at night, if you think about a question, an issue, a dilemma, a concern you have that you'd like information about or you'd like a direction about or you'd like guidance about, write it down in your journal. Spend Mm -hmm. a few minutes as long as you want, if you want to do some longer journaling, and end with a question where you ask your muse, you ask your dream guide, you know, what do can you tell me or what do I need to know about X or what should I do about Y? And then whatever dream comes through to you in the night, write it down on the same page that you wrote the question. And with practice, you will get clearer and clearer dream messages that point you in the direction you need to go from the question that you're asking. Um, And, again, you might need to work with the dream. You might need to peel back the layers to find the metaphor and the symbolism. And if you keep asking and you're not clear enough, get your question to be crisper and clearer. The more clear and direct your question, the less ambiguous your dream will become in response to it. So that's something that anyone can do on,
1: on their own as well. Yeah, that's a great exercise to do. And and also, people shouldn't get discouraged if they don't get an answer the first time after incubating a dream. You, They may not remember the dream that night, um, but mm-hmm. keep at it. Keep going. Right. You'll finally get your answer. Right. Particularly yeah, if so you're not
2: important. in the, the practice. It's like any other muscle, you know. We have to strengthen our, our dreaming muscle and our, our remembering muscle. Um, so it takes practice to to do that. It really
0: does. I think remembering part you know, is the hardest. Thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And but there are herbs no. people can can take, teas, mm-hmm. B six, things like that, right? That as long as they get well, clearance yeah, medically to yeah, do it.
2: There are things you can take that will will enhance, you know, your sleep. So good sleep hygiene. Getting a good night's sleep is really important. Trying to, you know, develop a, a a ritual whereby you you let go of the storm and strong of your day. You you shower. You wash the day's stress off in the shower. You put on your cozy jammies. You surround yourself, your bedroom at night, with a healing light, um, and you invite the dream muse in. And you tell yourself that you will honor. What comes through, and remember it and write it down and take it seriously, and if you do that with intent, you will become better and better
1: practiced at at catching these dreams, yeah, that's right, um, yeah, I mean dreams are so powerful i I get so sad when I hear somebody say they don't want to be bothered with their dreams, because to me, I look at it like you're leaving all this power on the table and you're walking away Mm -hmm. from it this is your own power and you're saying you don't have time for it you're just going to do the day-to-day stuff and dreams are so magical they have so so much power to help you in your life so Mm -hmm. i hope from listening to what you have to say about all of this tonight linda that uh, people will take this up again and have it as a part of your life every day, everybody. It's going to make a big difference. That makes great. good sense.
2: Great, yes. And,
1: yes. and the name, again, of this book is filled with great information, is PTS Dreams, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dreamwork. It is written by Linda Yale Schiller. And you can find Linda at ptsdreams.com. Well, Linda, thank you so much for tonight. This has been so enlightening. Thank you. Oh, thank
2: you for having me on the show. It's been a delight to talk with both of you.
1: Well, we, enjoyed we appreciate the it. We really did. Yes, thank you so much. Now, next week, everybody, we have Dr. Beitman is joining us again. Now, he started a conversation all around his new book about synchronicity and now he's going to get into part two which is the paranormal aspects of synchronicity. So be sure to join us next week and until then we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night everyone. And good night. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural we